This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council On Air comes to you 6pm Tuesdays here on OR 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. Join Lux, Valerie and their special guests to hear the latest from the Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council and celebrate unity through diversity. DMEC On Air, 6pm Tuesdays with podcasts available anytime from oar.org.nz, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Good evening, listeners of ORFM. You are tuning in at our 6 p.m. radio show on a Tuesday afternoon slash evening. This is Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council on Air. That's DMEC on Air. And you're listening to my rotation of the show, which is Wonderful Women. And I'm Valerie, the Women's Coordinator of DMEC, where we talk about th- things and topics and interviews to do with culture, ethnicity, migration, and gender, or sex, whichever comes up and happens to be relevant at the time. So, to, I guess, r- to listen to this at a later date you can look up ORFM that's Otago Access Radio or.org.nz and the podcast of this show will be there and you to find out more about Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council you could look us up on our website that's dmec.org.nz or look us up on our Facebook page at Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council Celebrating Diversity Hello So Happy New Year Team Even though I am recording this In December I think I will say Happy New Year anyway um, Because I know that's when The show will be aired And Let's hope that The New Year brings Lots and lots of interesting New discoveries for the rest of us, all of us. You know, what I've noticed since 2016, there's a trend in on Facebook or a trend on social media where it's like, I don't know if you've noticed it, but since 2016, um, it's there's been lots of memes coming out being, this is the worst year ever. 2016 is the absolute worst year there couldn't be a shittier, more cursed year than 2016. And that kind of went on for quite a while. And everyone's going, can't wait for the new year. Can't be worse than this. And you know what? That's been going on every single year since 2016. The same thing happened in 2017 where there would be lots of memes, lots of things coming up saying this is the worst year ever. It's the, can't wait for this to be over. It's an absolute nightmare. And... I know that in the recent couple of years, it has been objectively difficult with COVID. But I wonder if there's, you know, whether social media and our access to pessimistic worldviews or the sense that this is the worst and this is the worst. And if only, you know, next year is going to be better but I think next year is going to be just as bad as this year. And 
I I guess, you know, it's not that life is great. Life will never be great or good. It will be what it is. And I wonder with social media and negativeness being something that all of us I don't know why, but in recent times, negativeness or pessimism is something that we use to relate to each other. Um, we used to we use it to define ourselves. We use it to unify ourselves. For example, uh, it's more at a. I know when there was a year when pessimism was extremely high, people would go. Um, if someone meets each other, they define themselves by the things they don't like. I remember reading an article about that one day where someone goes, oh, I'm someone who doesn't like loud music, I don't like ice cream, and winters are the worst. And some sometimes people do that where um, they define themselves not by the things that they enjoy and like, but by the things they dislike and don't enjoy. And I... I'm one who strongly opposes the good vibes only culture or the positive thought trend. But on the other hand, I also see that this constant drive that where we are sucks and we're waiting or looking for someone be- something better or there'll be a better year or a better month or a better time. I wonder how helpful that really is for us and you know sometimes you're not even thinking or feeling like the world's a bad horrible place and then you open Facebook and then you see memes and things going oh no 2020 I can't wait to get rid of you can't get wait to get rid of you 2021 or this this has been a horrible year it's been horrifying and you go yeah that's right, it has been sucky. And then you start thinking of all the reasons it's been sucky. And unconsciously, what we've done is trigger negative associations more frequently um, and more intensely than what we naturally would be if we were sitting along minding our own business. We don't tend to go, oh my God, this is a crap year. We might once in a while when we talk to someone, but if we're on social media or we're reading things on the internet, that comes up every five minutes. And depending on how often and how long you scroll the internet for, this may become something that reminds you how bad life is constantly over and over again. Um, yeah. Weird, that was a bit off topic for me, but um, it was just a thing that I've noticed since 2016 because I remember when it first came out in 2016, I was quite like, oh, how did everyone realize what a bad year was for me? I can relate. I can relate to everyone in the world who thinks that this has been a bad year. But five, six years down the road, it's starting to feel a bit old. Well, I digress. Anyway, back to the topic. So today, the topic that I would like to talk about or discuss at the moment is gender socialization. What is it and why does it matter? Even if you're not familiar 
with the concept of gender socialization, it is most likely that you have been influenced by it and in turn passed on your own beliefs about what constitutes gender-appropriate attitudes and behaviors to others. So gender socialization begins at birth, gets worse during adolescence, and contributes to gender inequalities in education, employment, income, empowerment, and other significant outcomes of well-being during adolescence and later in life. This is based on a recently published paper by the UNICEF Office of Research and the International Center for Research on Women. The paper discusses or allows us more understanding of gender socialization by bringing together theories from psychology, sociology, and biology, and reviewing significant historical and population shifts to provide a more holistic picture of how gender socialization happens and who the major agents, so for example, family members or peers or community leaders and structures, for example, political structures, cultural and social norms or global media, um, who these agents and structures of influence are during adolescence and beyond. Before exploring this framework, um, let's have a wee think on what gender socialization is and how it appears in everyday life. This particular paper defines gender socialization as a process where people develop, refine and learn to do gender through inter internalizing gender norms and roles as they interact with their key agents of socializations like, for example, family, friends, um, social networks and other social institutions. A key component of this process is the internalization and acting out of gender norms. So internalization uh, means that you take on things you see around you as your own beliefs. So for example, if people told you, you black hair, let's say someone says black hair is evil. I don't know, it's just a stretch here, but for example, someone says black hair is evil. The first few times you hear it, you're like, oh, that's interesting. After a while, or depending on your personality, um, you internalize that information, you start holding it as your own personal belief. So that's kind of what internalization is, as opposed to not internalizing it, in which you go, well, this is what people have said, as opposed to adopting it as your own belief. Um, to illustrate how internalization and acting out of gender norms happens, um, this UNICEF blog person asks people from around the world via social media, for examples of how boys and girls are socialized differently in their culture, if at all. In early childhood, parents and caregivers may dress male and female children in different colors, for example, pink for girls and blue for boys in Italy, or give them different toys to play with. For example, cars for boys and dolls for girls in the Czech Republic. A friend from Bulgaria shared that people there often comment on the appearance of young girls. You are so pretty, what a nice dress you have, 
while they are more likely to point out the activities and abilities of boys. So you run so fast and you're so strong. These examples are quite gender stereotypical. On the other hand, uh, people from the Netherlands and the UK pointed out that a change is taking place in their countries, with many parents showing a preference for gender-neutral clothing, black and white with prints, for example, and activities such as encouraging their daughters to ride bikes and sons to go to dance lessons. Such approaches provide their children with less traditional concepts and less division between what, is, what it means to be a boy and a girl. A friend from the Solomon Islands comment, commented that where she lives, people do not have strong expectations that girls will wear a certain color and look feminine during early childhood, but as they approach adolescence, expectations such as being useful around the house emerge. Boys, on the other hand, are expected to be more wild, climbing trees and being active. Um, and the toughness that is expected from boys is not uncommon. Someone from China shared that a strong masculine norm in their culture is that boys don't cry, while it is acceptable for girls to cry. Similarly, in Bulgaria and the Solomon Islands and Somalia and its neighboring countries, people are more likely to focus on a girl's appearances and make known the expectations they have for her as a daughter and later on as a wife comments so for example she looks like her mother she has good hair a light color and good nose when she grows up she'll help her mother take care of her siblings boys also attract comments about their appearances but typically this focus on their ability to defend the clan and protect their family or oh, sorry provide for the family he looks stronger he will defend his family and kinship the examples show how gender socialization is reinforced in different cultures by the agents of socialization who in turn are influenced by factors such as the socioeconomic conditions of a country, gendered and political structures, social and cultural norms, the global media, and their own local communities and networks. Adolescence is a critical period in which gender attitudes and behaviors intensify and new gender roles emerge. It is also a period during which negative outcomes of some gender norms begin to manifest. For example, adolescent girls may be forced to drop out of school in order to help out at home. They may be married off before their 18th birthday, experience unwanted pregnancy, or intimate partner violence for the first time or be exposed to HIV. This is um, information from UNICEF, uh, World Health Organization, UNESCO, and UNAIDS. Adolescent boys and young men are more likely to die in violent conflict and automobile accidents and engage in substance abuse. In some settings, they are subjected to proving their manhood in aggressive practices, initiation initiation practices, or are forced to join armed groups, urban gangs, crime syndicates, or rebel and government forces. This is information from a Barker and Ricardo paper and UNICEF. Norms around what constitutes gender-appropriate behavior play a major role in shaping these outcomes. While the intensification of gender attitudes and roles during adolescence is linked to many negative outcomes, 
This period also presents a great opportunity for adolescents to develop more equitable gender attitudes and behaviors in order to decrease the negative outcomes described previously. So, to assist with the development of a more comprehensive program and policy, there is a discussion paper that presents a framework capturing the dynamic process of gender socialization and many factors that shape it at a different level of influence. So, structural, social, interactional, and individual levels. It also acknowledges that as well as receiving messages about his or her gender identity, the adolescent has agency and self-enforces gendered attitudes and behaviors and in turn influences the gender socialization of others. For example, an effort to improve the social status and employment prospect of migrant girls and women in urban areas may need to consider gaps in the local market, which is at a structural level, and offer training and skills that are highly sought after. The gender roles and responsibilities of these girls and women in the home, school and community, that's the social interactional level, also need to be considered to ensure that the training does not increase their risk of interpersonal violence or burden them with an unmanageable workload. Mitigation strategies may consist of giving or providing social services that assist with looking after children and sensitize key agents in their network. That includes male partners to the benefits of women's employment. At the individual level, a comprehensive approach may include different opportunities for girls and women with different cognitive and physical abilities, interests and the like. A key recommendation made in the paper is to take advantage of openings at the structural level and develop programs and policies to complement these shifts to achieve greater gender equality, or rather, equity. In the same topic, they also mention, or UNICEF blog, also talk about social and gender norms and whether there is kind of a way to better measure social norms. So the definition of social norms, as we've discussed kind of earlier in terms of socialization of gender, social norms are rules of behavior such that individuals prefer to conform to it on condition that they believe that most people in their network conform to it and that most people believe that they should conform to it. Gender norms, that's a subset of social norms that governs behaviours for women and men, girls and boys, and that is perpetuated by individuals, households and communities, but also and also embedded in institutions, systems and structures. So from a social protection perspective, these norms can influence the design, implementation and outcome of programmes. For example, if the design of a conditional cash transfer program is informed by norms around family and care expecting women to comply with conditions, they may risk increasing their existing care and domestic work, especially if appropriate services and infrastructures are not in place. A research paper examines these different measurements that people use for 
social or mainly gender norms. Um, and they found that most of existing measures on gender equality are on attitudes, but only few focus on social and gender norms. Um, and only a few of the 31 measures of social and gender norms are reported to be reliable. Most of the 31 measures on social and gender norms focus on empirical expectations. And most of that measures on social and gender norms are on adult, adulthood. Um, although there are sufficient measures on adulthood which can be utilized to learn about social gender norms, um, understanding the prevalence of these norms in other stages of life course is equally important. A lot of studies suggest, and of course you probably know this without studies, is that children start to learn about social and gender norms from an early age and to internalize them, especially during their adolescence. So future research could develop and test methods on norms to be administered to children and adolescents. And these measures can help understand the distribution of norms in some populations, evaluate the effectiveness of interventions on changing these norms, and assess if and how such norms moderate the effectiveness of interventions on other outcomes. And so they're kind of in the middle of this project at the moment on developing measures because I guess aside from aside from attitudes, i.e. what people think or how they feel or they perceive things, what is actually a norm in terms of a structure is quite important when we want to make changes or we want to see the effectiveness of our change. So, we had an interesting topic today on socialization of gender um, and norms, social and gender norms. Thank you for listening to me at... ORFM, that's Otago Access Radio FM. And you're listening to Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council, DMEC on air, and my rotation of that segment, which is Wonderful Women, where we discuss different things such as gender, um, sex, mental health, migrant, women, people, culture, ethnicity, whatever seems to come into my mind, apparently. So, thank you for listening to us on Otago Access Radio, our host, that's ORFM. You can look this podcast up at or.org.nz. You can find out more about DMEC um, from DMEC's website, that's dmec.org.nz, and look us up on Facebook, that's Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council. Celebrating diversity. Thank you for listening to me. Um, and have a wonderful rest of the week. Bye-bye.